It is Thursday, January 2nd here in crowded Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the playoff opening edition of our fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schiff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. But also back with us is our pal, our mm-hmm. DFS guru, Kevin English, on the pod for the first time in too long, trying to get a breather from fatherhood. How's it treating you so far, Kev? Must be a special occasion if I'm on, right? It is. So, yeah, I'm good to be on with you guys. Nice to have you back. Yeah. Long-awaited return. Right? Uh, playoff fantasy football, of course, is the same basic game. A lot fewer people playing because you are going back to your spouses and families at this <laughs> point. But for those of us still playing, it adds the layer of not only picking the best players, but now you have to figure out which teams are going to move on. You try to get the best players on the teams that are going to play the most games. You also kind of have to realize, I'm not going to be right about all these things. So, you know, do you figure out a way to hedge or do you just go all in with the team or two that you like? Those are the things that you have to think about when you're making playoff fantasy football teams. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're talking about each individual team, you can't hedge on a team. You need to say, you know, this is how I think the playoffs are going to go. This team's going to win each round. These guys are going to win the Super Bowl. And you need to go all in on, you know, that scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's especially true when you consider the payout structure. You know, top 700 are paid out out of 6,500. 6, so it's only 10.7% with 500K up top dropping down to 50k at second so it's extremely top heavy and if you want to take home the first prize i think you need you're going to need to be a little bit contrarian um, but we'll get into that but i don't think you're, you're going to need to go too far off the beaten path but again we'll get into it and that shows you how occupied kevin is with the ffpc playoff challenges before <laughs> i even mentioned it he's already talking about how he's going to attack that tournament we're going to talk about that a lot on today's show we're also going to just break down though position by position the matchups, the players we like. So even if you're not playing in the FFPC Playoff Challenge, I think there will be some value for you in today's podcast. But as I said, the focal point here is going to be the FFPC Playoff Challenge, launched way back in 2003 before most people even knew what fantasy football was. That makes this the 17th season of it. It's a $200 entry. The field is capped at 6,500 entries. It did sell out last year, so don't wait if you do want to get into it. The top prize is half a million dollars. You'll have to see what second place is so you'll know what you can win uh, finishing behind me. As Kevin mentioned, it does pay out to 700 places, though. So, you know, you don't have to win it to make money here. It's FFPC rules. It's a 10-player lineup, a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a kicker, a defense, plus two flex spots. Obviously, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. And, of course, the big FFPC wrinkle that we always mention is the tight end premium scoring, where it's one and a half point per receptions for tight end. Yeah, and I think that's especially important this year when you have Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, the top two tight ends in fantasy points this season in the playoffs. Um, you know, Zach Ertz, he, he's hurt, unfortunately, but I think we have some other tight ends that we, we can consider, too. Yeah, we'll definitely get to all those guys. It's also worth noting that players in the Super Bowl get double mm-hmm. the fantasy points for that game. I'm not sure, though, that that impacts your strategy because you're obviously trying to get key guys that make it to the Super Bowl anyway. You want guys that are going to get there and score points. The fact that it doubles just makes it more likely that you're going to be watching and biting your nails for that game. Right. Yeah, I think the key thing there is you said the key guys. Like mm-hmm. You don't want your kicker or your defense yeah. to make the, the Super Bowl, ideally. Right, yeah. To me, you, you just want to prioritize the teams you think are going to make it or have the best chance to make it. And when I say prioritize, I mean try to get the highest scoring player you know, in raw fantasy points from, from those two teams. Yeah, so before we get to the players, guys, who's making the Super Bowl this year? 
I think we agree on this, but it's Ravens and Saints for me. I just think those teams have the best combination of quarterback play and defense. And then on the Ravens side, I really think their only main competition in the AFC is the Chiefs. Yep. And the Ravens, of course, have home field advantage throughout. So that's big for them. With the Saints, they're going to need to go on the road and win win two games away from the Superdome. So it gives me a little bit of pause, mm-hmm. but I don't think they'll be the most popular option to, to go all the way in terms of how players are owned. So mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of a, an edge there in, in picking the Saints. Yeah, I think it's a two-horse race in both conferences, Ravens and Chiefs in the AFC, 49ers and Saints in the NFC. And Vegas agrees if you look at the odds to reach the Super Bowl. Ravens actually have the best odds. They're, they're minus 110s. You know, Vegas has them a better than 50-50 chance to make the Super Bowl. The 49ers are the favorite in the NFC, which does make sense. Cause, I mean, the Saints need to win an extra game. They need to go on the road twice to get there. So I, I do think that um, going with the 49ers rather than the Saints definitely makes plenty of sense. But I'm definitely on the Ravens from the AFC. Well, and the other thing is, picking the Saints, you get three games even if they don't get to the Super Bowl. They get three just by making the conference championship. San Francisco, Baltimore, Kansas City, Green Bay would have to make the Super Bowl to get three games. So you don't necessarily need the Saints to go all the way to make them a good bet on that front. And for the FFPC contest, obviously we can only get one player from each team. So we're going to need to get a Raven. We're going to need to get a Chief. That's going to make it easier to not worry about choosing between those. But I, I agree. If we're in a format where you're drafting a team, I like the Ravens. I like the Saints. Saints would be my primary focus really across positions yeah i think that's right because of that chance to get a fourth game like that's that's so huge i mean you're talking about you know four games versus three is just a big difference when you're talking you know that that small number of games especially four games for that saints offense anybody else that you think are better bets to get three games i mean the saints i think are really the only wild card weekend team that i i think has a real chance to get to the super bowl i agree with that um i think the seahawks though would be the team i'd pick next with a chance to get three games, and you know they just have to make the NFC Championship to get that. But Seattle is favored in this first game on the road in Philly. Then they'd get the 49ers next, likely, assuming the, the Saints beat the Vikings. And you know the, the 49ers and Seahawks played twice this year. They split those two meetings, and that includes Seattle winning in San Francisco. So they've already proven they can do that. And, I mean, if they got Green Bay instead, that would be an even better spot for them. Yes. I, I really don't think Green Bay is very good when compared with the rest of the playoff field. I agree. Yep. To me, the Saints game is the only one that I think is a lock this weekend. The other three look like toss-ups, so I'm not going to over-invest in any of those other teams. I'm more interested in upside of players rather than jumping on board any of the other wildcard weekend teams. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see any other wildcard team getting to three games, but if I had one to pick to go to two, I think it's the Bills. I, I think they'll be mm-hmm. contrarian in terms of uh, the kind of interest they'll garner with, with other folks' teams. I, I just think they have a very winnable game this week at Houston. Mm-hmm. They just hold such a big defensive edge against the Texans. And as long as Josh Allen just doesn't play one of his <laughs> you know, vintage Josh Allen from 2018 games, I, I think they have a really good chance to win that. Yeah, although J.J. Watt is back for the Texans, so that it helps them. Yeah. It's also tough to say, oh, he's going to be J.J. Watt his right. first game back after being on IR. Right. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how many snaps he plays in that first game back. <laughs> I think he's yeah. going to play every single one, <laughs> as so? many as they'll yeah. let him play, I even, think, yeah. even if he's not all the way back. Yeah. I think the key to that game is Will Fuller and how close to 100% mm-hmm. Will Fuller he is, because that Texans passing game is just so much more dangerous when Fuller's healthy. And how yeah. close he stays to 100% during exactly. the game with yeah, the groin he? question and the hamstring recently. Yeah, does he, does he play a full four quarters? So for setting our 10-player 
uh, FFPC lineup, we're going to need to leave out two teams because there are 12 teams in the playoffs. Who, Jared, is the first team that you think you will leave out as you set your lineup? Yeah, so you're obviously looking for a team here that you're most confident is only going to get one game. For me, that's the Vikings. And they do have some higher-end guys, you know, Dalvin Cook especially, although his shoulder injury adds risk, obviously. Stephon Diggs, he's had success against the Saints. But I don't expect the Vikings offense to get a whole lot done in New Orleans, and I do feel confident that the Saints win that game. So the Vikings are the first team I won't be using any players from. Yeah, I I agree on the Vikings. And then, again, I'm going to sound like a Bills fan today, (laughs) but I'm going to avoid the Texans as Mm -hmm. well, I think. For one, I think they lose, and then I think their their top weapon in DeAndre Hopkins is going to have you know, a tough matchup against Trey White. So they're just sort of by default going to be a team that I leave out. And for the FFPC, I mean, leaning away from DeAndre Hopkins was something that last year's winning mm-hmm. team did. And he yeah. was basically tied with Ezekiel Elliott as the highest owned player mm-hmm. in last year's field. So it's it, with that negative matchup that you mentioned, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is good enough to beat the matchup. No, nobody's sure. going to argue against that. But, you know, when you have to make some differentiating decisions for your lineup, I think that's a, a solid one to make. And we'll probably get further into that when we talk about receivers. Mm-hmm. I agree with, with skipping the Vikings. I'm kind of tempted by Adam Thielen we'll talk about mm-hmm. in wide receivers as a differentiating type pick. But I just really don't like their chances of winning a yeah. game to make that payoff. I, I, I guess, well, I'll leave more about him until we get to the mm-hmm. position. Dalvin Cook's a pretty easy fade for me, though, with the injury, with the negative matchup, with the likely poor game script for his use. Just makes it easier for me to lean away from that team overall. My second team I'll be avoiding is the Titans. Um, I think I'm more confident in the Patriots winning this game than you guys are. Um, you know, Tennessee is five-point underdogs in New England. Uh, they have the lowest implied total of all the eight teams playing this weekend, 19.5. And what I like about fading Tennessee is even if they do beat New England, I give them very little chance to win another game beyond that in Baltimore. So I think worst case, they're going to get two games. I mean, they've already beaten Kansas City this year. I know that was at home and right after Patrick Mahomes came back. Mm -hmm. So I I think they're a solid team. I'm considering the Titans, but Derrick Henry is kind of the the question that you have to answer there in deciding whether you're going to do that. We'll get to him more in the running back section. I'm avoiding the Eagles, I think, because Mm -hmm. the best options there are – Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders, who's got an ankle injury, and the tight ends. We've got Zach Ertz's injury, making him a very shaky one. You know, it's likely to keep his ownership down. So if you do pick Zach Ertz and he does make it back enough that he's close to himself and they win a game so you get two games of Zach Ertz, it could work out. But we've also seen a healthy Zach Ertz just have modest games with Dallas Goddard around. So to me, he's not a good enough bet, even at full health for targets mm-hmm. to make sense in this lineup. And then there's just not enough enough else to like in that offense to bother using a spot on them. Yeah, that, that's not a bad call because I think like Tennessee, even if Philly wins that first game, I'd give them a pretty small chance of going into San Francisco and winning the next one. Um, I think the Packers are an interesting team too to mm-hmm. not use anyone from. Um, you know, I, I think we all like New Orleans to win that game. The scary thing about it is they do have two elite fantasy guys in Aaron Jones and Devonta Adams. But, you know, if you're confident they're only going to get one game, I think the Packers are a team to consider not using a guy from. Yeah, I'm just glad you stopped mentioning Aaron Rodgers as an elite fantasy guy. <laughs> I know better. <laughs> Kevin, anything else in the team section? I think that's it for me. Just Vikings, Texans are, are my two main ones. Yeah, I guess my other point on the Eagles, too, is that if they beat Seattle, I think it's going to be like a 20-17 to 17 yeah. kind of win, and yeah. then they would go face San Francisco unless the Vikings yeah surprisingly beat the Saints. So, yeah, it would be a bad spot in their second one. Yeah, I will say, though, that I would have some interest in Goddard if, if Ertz is yeah. ruled out. I think the tricky thing is that they play on Sunday, so we might not mm-hmm. 
have set in stone word on Ertz's status until game day. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we will have to set these lineups before the games on Saturday. So mm-hmm. we'll talk more about the tight ends in the tight end section. Before we get to the positions, I wanted I did see uh, Darren Armani of Fantasy Mojo tweeted out the roster from last year's championship team. I think it's worth noting at least to see if we can find some things to use this year. There was a quarterback that only played one game, Deshaun Watson. Did have a good game, but still just played one game. He had one game kicker, one game defense on those teams. Each of those scored fewer than six points in their games. Um, I'm sure that the logic of this player at the time was taking the Bears defense against the Eagles, figuring the Bears were going to win. They didn't. Uh, Took Justin Tucker, which is a solid pick against the Chargers. The Ravens didn't win that game, so I didn't get a second game from him. Also only had one tight end, which I think is worth noting. And Eric Ebron... I think many of us used Eric Ebron. He didn't have a great playoffs. He kind of mm-hmm. disappointed. 25.7 fantasy points over the two games at one and a half PPR. So not terrible, but that's not great. I mean, the person didn't win because Eric Ebron was on the roster and the person did not have a second tight end. There was actually only, uh, I believe, one of the top 25 or 26 finishers had a second tight end on their roster. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how much we can take away from what last year's winning roster did just because I think the players in this year's playoffs are obviously different. The matchups are different. I, the one takeaway for me, I think, and something I'm going to try to do with my lineups, the two other teams I expect to lose this weekend, I want my kicker and defense from those two teams. I, I want my you know quarterback and skill position guys to be advancing beyond round one. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't want your kicker and defense advancing too far, as, as strange as that might seem. Yeah. I think the other takeaway is just how critical it is to have guys in the Super Bowl that really hit their ceiling. Yeah. Uh, I think both Cooks and Edelman had double-digit catches in the Super Bowl last year. But Cooks was at eight. Cooks had eight, and Edelman had ten. So yeah, it's a lot of just, points. Yeah, just nailing that that big Super Bowl performance is, is really going to propel you. Yeah, both of those guys had twenty plus PPR points in the Super Bowl, which is obviously huge. Of course, I don't think we can talk about this without remembering that the Rams wouldn't have even been there without the missed P.I. call. Mm-hmm. That said, that roster also had Michael Thomas. So if the Saints go instead of the Rams, I think Michael Thomas is certainly a decent bet for a similar game to what mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks had. But yeah, there's some luck involved. If we have our wide receiver make it to the Super Bowl and he catches 10 balls, yeah. uh, nobody's predicting that from this point. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll see if we can draw anything. Actually, the two key players, I think, were Brandon Cooks at his low ownership, nailing into the Super Bowl, and then Damian Williams was also 5% ownership. You had to choose him over Patrick Mahomes, over Travis Kelsey, over Tyree Kill, which is why he was so low-owned, and he delivered 59 points over two games. Yeah, and I think ownership does matter here. We should talk about that. And, of course, we're we're not going to know ownership until the games kick off, but I think we can get a decent idea, you know, thinking through it. I think you basically treat this FFPC competition like a GPP and DFS where you want to finish first out of 6,500. So you're not just looking for the best raw point plays. You do need to, you know, consider ownership and try to differentiate somewhere. It doesn't mean you need to differentiate at every spot, mm-hmm. but you want at least, you know, I'd say two or three guys who are going to be, you know, single digit percent ownership, I guess, like last year's winterhead. Yeah, and you shouldn't differentiate at every spot because right. the winning roster also had Ezekiel Elliott, who was the highest owned player, did have Julian Edelman, who was one of the highest-owned wide receivers, did fade DeAndre Hopkins. So it's about making those one or two right decisions that are different from most of the field that can really push you over the top. On to quarterback now, where the easy top play is Lamar Jackson. I think really the only argument against Lamar Jackson is that he's going to be the highest-owned quarterback, and he's probably going to be more highly-owned than any quarterback was in last year's field. Yeah, I certainly think he'll be the highest-owned. 
And you know, typically the quarterback approach in DFS is that, well, they all have similar ceilings, so pay down when you can. Well, Lamar Jackson's ceiling is just so much higher mm-hmm. than everyone else in the playoffs, at least for me. And what he showed this year as a QB1, I think, bears that out. So he's the guy I'm just going to lock and load. Even if yep. you told me he's going to be 80% on, I'll, I'll still lock him in there, especially considering I think Baltimore makes the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Jackson's going to be a lock for me despite the ownership. Um, he, he averaged six more FFPC points per game than any other quarterback in the playoffs. That's a massive gap. His first game could be a plus matchup against the Texans or Titans. If, if the Bills win, that's a, a tougher draw for Jackson, obviously. In the AFC Championship, he likely, he likely gets the Chiefs, who finished 13th in adjusted fantasy points, a lot of quarterbacks, so a neutral matchup there. The last reason Jackson's a lock for me, I just think the, the other two guys I'd consider, and maybe you guys um, differ here, but would be Breeze and Mahomes. I just think the opportunity cost of using those guys and not getting Kamara or Michael Thomas from the Saints or Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, even Damian Williams from the Chiefs, I think the opportunity cost of that is greater than the opportunity cost of you know missing out on another Raven like Mark Ingram or Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that all of that is why I'm considering not using Lamar Jackson because he could be a key fade I mean, for one thing, if they lose to the Chiefs, then we get two games of Lamar Jackson, whereas we could get four games of Drew Brees, and we could get three games of Patrick Mahomes. I know that this season, Lamar Jackson beat everybody else by a lot in ceiling, but we also saw with Drew Brees over the final quarter of the season that he's right with anybody in fantasy ceiling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that includes Lamar Jackson. And if we do get four games of Breeze, that could be on the winning roster at the end of it. And Patrick Mahomes is up there with everybody as far as ceiling goes. I agree the hard part is that there's a lot more around Breeze, a lot more around Mahomes. So you have to pass over some very attractive plays to get him. Whereas really for me with the Ravens, it's Lamar Jackson versus Mark Andrews. Right. So what you have to ask yourself is like, does Breeze plus Mark Andrews outscore Lamar Jackson plus Michael Thomas. Right. It just, of course, it's possible over you know a three, four game sample. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going into this assuming that I'm just setting one roster because if you're setting five of them, obviously you can be like, well, this is going to be my Breeze team. This is going to be my Mahomes team. If you're setting one, as I think most entrants probably are, you know, that's what we're, we're trying to nail down those decisions. So if you're not going Lamar Jackson, who are you leaning towards right now? It's it's Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes close. And it, I mean, I honestly, I don't, I don't think I can go away from using Michael Thomas. I think he's going to mm-hmm. be my biggest lock. Yeah. So I don't think Drew Brees will end up being my quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is there. It's it's really, it, it's very yeah. close between Mahomes and Kelsey and um, Damian Williams, I think. Here's my other knock against Patrick Mahomes, is his first game will likely be against the Patriots, who finished first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, and his second would likely be against the Ravens, who finished second. Yep, and I mean, my counter would be it's Patrick Mahomes. Yep. I know that he, did, he didn't do a lot this year against the Patriots, 283 and a touchdown. Last year, when they certainly weren't as good, but they did have a lot of the same pieces, most importantly the coaching staff, he threw seven touchdown passes in two meetings. So, I mean... It would basically be, this is the other ceiling quarterback because I'm not going to go down to somebody like Deshaun Watson or Carson Wentz. Yeah, right. Yeah, Mahomes is, is rarely a, a bad guy to bet on or bet against, so I agree with that. The other guy I've done is Jimmy Garoppolo, mostly for the fact that I, I think there's a decent chance he plays three games. Again, we have the Saints coming out of the NFC, but they do have home field advantage throughout, and I think by taking Garoppolo, we're obviously going to get off with George Kittle who will probably be the most popular tight end and maybe one of the more popular guys at any position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if you're looking in the contrarian area, Garoppolo's there. I I don't think I can go away from George Kittle to get him in because I 
To me, it's very easy to write the story of the Niners getting to the Super Bowl without Jimmy Garoppolo going off. And for the other quarterbacks, it's tougher to write that story. I think you could consider Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, if you believe in any of those teams, Mm -hmm. winning at least one game. I think Russell Wilson would probably be my lean among those three because he's the one where I can say, I can see him winning a second game. And then if they got to the conference championship, I mean, who knows at that point. Yeah, I have Russell Wilson here as my guy. If I'm going completely off the board against Lamar, Breeze, Mahomes, Russ would be the guy I'd go to. Again, I think Seattle has a decent chance at playing three games. This first game against the Eagles, I mean, we know they can give up passing numbers. They, they finished the season 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Then it'd be the 49ers. You know, they, they are tough, tougher against the pass than the run even. Um, they finished the season 8th against quarterbacks. Um, then it probably, you know, I think we're thinking it'd be the Saints in the NFC Championship. They were 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So the schedule is not bad for Russ in the playoffs. And again, I think he does have a chance at three games. And he's just a good player. So if you're, yeah. you know, taking a shot, he's somebody that you feel better about taking a shot on. Plus, you know, if you do just decide to fade Lamar Jackson for the ownership thing, then using Wilson instead of Mahomes or Breeze keeps open all those other options we were talking about on those teams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Any big names that you're fading at this position? I mean, it's Deshaun Watson for me. I, I guess I repeat it, but I just I think yeah. they lose to the Bills on Saturday, and so I don't want a, a one and done quarterback on yeah. my team. I think Mahomes is a guy I, I wouldn't use if I'm going to come off Lamar Jackson. I think I'd go to Drew Brees. Mm. And as we learned last year, you can have a one and done quarterback and yep. still win the championship. True. So I, I w- certainly wouldn't go in yeah. expect right, right. like I wouldn't select a quarterback that I think is right. going to lose this weekend, but at least know that you're not necessarily buried if that happens. <laughs> right. And for me, really, the, the only question here is whether to play Lamar Jackson. And that, that's the decision I'm going to have to make. I'm probably not going to make it until about 3 o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> Perfect. We'll Running back, top play I expect is going to be Derrick Henry. I would bet on him being the most highly owned because really? I don't think there's any other Titan that, some, that people are seriously considering. And I think if you're obviously, you know, if you know that you're not picking any other Titan, it's going to be harder to leave out the running back from that team that you know could go off. And if they win this weekend, it's probably on the back of a big Derrick Henry game. That's interesting. I did not expect, I mean, I don't expect Henry to be the highest owned running back. I don't think it's crazy though, because I don't know who I think is going to be, I guess. I I think Alvin Kamara, people probably view as the best bet in a vacuum, but I think people are going to want to use Michael Thomas and even Drew Brees. I think Aaron Jones is going to be pretty highly owned here, because I think it's probably either Jones or Devontae Adams from the Packers. Yeah, I would lean Aaron Jones as the highest owned running back, but that's more of a hunch than anything else. I also have Derrick Henry down as a top play. Certainly a scary matchup. I mean, the Pats have allowed only one rushing touchdown all season. But mixed in there, they have given up some big lines to Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon. I think both guys hit him for over 120. Granted on, you know, 20 to 25 carries, but that's the one thing you know Derrick Henry will see, you know, 25-plus touches. So if they can pull off the upset, great. But even if he only plays one game, I think there's still a decent chance he can, you know, give you 20 to 25, maybe even more fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of running backs to truly like here. And there are four total spots to fill with, you know, the combo of running back, wide receiver, tight end. So it's not not hard to find him as a spot. For me, Derrick Henry is the best comp to Ezekiel Elliott last year. And I know he doesn't have the receiving of Ezekiel Elliott, but he's the clear standout guy on a team that is in a a toss-up matchup this weekend. If we get two games of Derrick Henry, he's going to beat most of the other running backs around. My top play here, and this is this is factoring in actually building a lineup and you know seeing that you know maybe I don't want to use Camara because I want to use Michael Thomas and fact trying trying to factor in ownership. I like Devin Singletary. He was a workhorse back down the stretch of the regular season. 
17.2 carries and 3.2 targets per game over his last six. He was playing over 70% of the snaps in all of those games. He opens against the Texans, who are 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed through running backs. I do think they'll be a bit better on Saturday with J.J. Watt back, but I still think at worst it's a neutral matchup for Singletary. And if the Bills win there, they're going to get the Ravens, who it's not a good matchup for Singletary, but Football Outsiders does rank Baltimore just 19th in run defense, and I, I do think it would make sense for the Bills to, again, lean on Devin Singletary in that spot. So I, I agree with what Matt said. Running back is tough. I don't think there's any glaringly obvious play. So I think Singletary is an interesting guy to get in there, and I don't expect him to be too highly owned. Yeah, I very much like Singletary as well. I mean, it, for the first matchup, I think he and John Brown are close because it's a good matchup for both of them statistically. But beyond that, the matchups get a lot harder for the wide receivers if Buffalo does win. And as you mentioned, the next two potential opponents, uh, Kansas City, Baltimore, both finished the season among the top six in pass defense DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. They finished 19th and 29th in run defense DVOA. So they're going to be spots where we should expect solid Devin Singletary usage. And if they fall behind in the first week or the second, you know, if they do advance, he's likely to be heavily involved in the pass game as well. Yeah, I, I just really hope he gets two games and then my Bills pick hits because mm-hmm. he's just such a poor touchdown bat week in, right. week out. That, that's really the main drawback with him. According to Pro Football Reference, he has only three carries inside the five-yard line mm-hmm. all season. Compare that to 11 for Josh Allen. It's just it's been tough rostering Singletary quite a bit in DFS and seeing Allen you know, right. steal a lot of those short-range touchdowns. Yeah, it's tough to get those when your team has white Cam Newton. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, I mean, and Frank Gore, too, has been stealing goal line touches. Yeah. And, you know, maybe now that we're in the playoffs that the Bills just sort of go with their best back, even at, even at the goal line. Yeah, mm-hmm. Gore's at least stepped aside from a volume perspective, like you said, Jared, and given Singletary a chance to see, you know, those, was it 19 opportunities per game? So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Singletary. He's in my current build with, with one team. Nice. Yeah. Alvin Kamara is certainly another one to consider. I'm just going to have a tough time playing him over either Drew Brees or Michael Thomas. Yeah, Michael Thomas averaged 5.5 more FFPC points per game than Alvin Kamara. Thomas also has the much better round one matchup here. The Vikings were 27th against wide receivers, 10th against running backs. So I agree. I'm definitely leaning Thomas over Kamara. Mm-hmm. I think Sony Michelle is another strong consideration at running back. 19, 21, and 18 carries over the past three games after a shakier stretch of usage. Last season, he came into the playoffs with even less of a workload than this year, 13, 18, 14 carries in his final regular season games before the playoffs. Then, of course, they loaded him up, 24, 29, 18 carries and three playoff wins, 94-plus yards in each of those, six total touchdowns. I'm not going to project that kind of either usage or production, but I do think that if this New England team succeeds in the playoffs – it's going to be because they're running the ball well. They're playing from ahead, and Sonny Michel's getting a lot of stuff. Plus, at this point, there's not a whole lot else that I like on the New England offense. Yeah, yeah. certainly the Pats winning formula is not having Tom Brady fire off 45 passes uh, at this point of the year especially. So I can see that. And then Sonny Michel also is going to be that like 5 to 8% owned guy because no one, no one really wants to play him. They've been burned, yeah. and he's just been up and down for most of the year so. I can see that, especially at the running back spot where it's just super thin and the opportunity cost I don't think is very high. Yeah, I'll be curious to see in general where ownership is on the Patriots. I think the Patriots defense might be the most popular pick from that team. But yeah, I think Sony's interesting. Patriots are home favorites in this first game. I think Tennessee a middling run defense. And then after that, it'd be the Chiefs, who we know have struggled against the run. We saw Michelle have the huge game against the Chiefs, actually twice last year, once in the regular season and once in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're deciding on Patriots, you know, 
might be the defense. Otherwise, it's Michelle versus Edelman. I think people are going to lean toward Edelman in general for PPR. He's seen five, six, and seven targets over the past three games. He's still limited in practice this week with knee and shoulder issues. I don't think we're getting full Edelman in the playoffs. He, he did say on Thursday that he's he's feeling better. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what to put into that. Um, and and we'll, I guess we'll talk about Edelman more in the next section here, but he, he has been a monster in the playoffs. Anybody else you guys think have you have as a differentiator, potential differentiator running back? Nobody. I had Kamara and Singletary down here. I, got, I just think Kamara will go a little bit lower owned than maybe should yep. be because of Michael Thomas. Yeah, definitely agree on that. I think we should just mention Aaron Jones again here. Um, you know, He is third among all playoff running backs in FFPC points per game. And what I like about Jones is he's given us those monster performances, and that's sort of what you should be looking for when you're building your team if you're trying to come in first place here. Jones has six games of 25-plus FFPC points this season. I think Damian Williams is worth mentioning here. He worked out last year even though, only, even though he only played two playoff games. As I said, 59 FFPC points in those two games, which is huge for a running back. He has come back from injury this year to be a bigger workload guy. Past two weeks after coming back, 16 carries, 12 carries, three catches, four catches. He scored a bunch of touchdowns, scored even more last year, still entered the playoffs at just 5% ownership. Because again, you have to pass over Mahomes, you have to pass over Travis Kelsey, which is the toughest one for everybody to pass over in this particular format. You have to pass over Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill and Damian Williams are a lot closer to each other when you're making that decision. But if the Chiefs are scoring points and winning, Damian Williams is likely going to be involved in that. So he's a real consideration for me as for which Chief is making it into my lineup. I, I definitely like the call. It's just, again, My argument against him is just the opportunity cost of passing on those other guys. It's, just, it's scary to put Damian Williams in there over Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, but it, it could definitely work out, especially when you factor in the ownership. See, I don't yeah. think he's scary versus Tyreek Hill just because he's uh, Damian Williams is such a better bet for touches. Uh, obviously, yeah. Tyreek Hill has that ceiling game potential right. over probably anybody. Well, probably anybody but like Michael Thomas at wide receiver. But we're also not talking about somebody who gets Devontae Adams targets. No, that's right. completely fair. Again, though, I think you want to be looking for ceiling games in this tournament, in this you know competition, and I think Tyreek Hill, yeah, probably with Michael Thomas, has the highest weekly ceiling. Yeah, I like the Damian Williams play in theory, but in terms of actually putting it into practice <laughs> for me with my one team, I, I'm not sure I'll get there. You guys are making me feel better about going after Damian Williams. I mean, the guy... He's going to be very low. Driving down the that's, I mean, that's just, for sure. He just yeah. scored two touchdowns yep. the last time we watched him, and he entered last year's playoffs in on that big touchdown streak, four, yep. five, six touchdowns over the final four games, so... Yep. I think I'm talking myself into him at the moment. I, I think I think it makes a lot of sense when you, again, factor in ownership. And just if you're trying to come in first out of 6,500 people and you get a running back like that, at what I think will be single-digit ownership, I, I do think it makes sense. And it's certainly, it's a bit scary to pass on Travis Kelsey, I think. But, you know, like I said earlier, with the writing of the story, you can write a story of the Chiefs making the Super Bowl without Travis Kelsey going off because mm-hmm. of all of these guys that they have that can score points. Yep, for sure. On the fade front, for me, Dalvin Cook is a pretty easy fade, as I mentioned before, running back. Any other big names that you guys are fading? Probably Mark Ingram for me, just not quite knowing the status of his calf injury mm-hmm. you know, we got from his opening yeah. round game. So you know, combine that with the fact that I'll have Lamar Jackson and, and Ingram yeah. is off my radar. Yeah, I have Dalvin Cook here, and I, I have Derrick Henry, and I guess I feel better about it mm-hmm. now that you guys think he's going to be pretty popular. I think he's going to be very popular. I think he's the... 
I think he's the biggest question here is deciding whether to whether to play Derrick Henry or not. Because I'm not playing yeah. any other Titan. It would otherwise it would be like the kicker yeah. or the defense. I think he's going to be like the a sixty yeah. plus percent on guy. Are you here. are you basically banking on Tennessee winning if you're going with Derrick Henry? Or are you fine with just getting one game out of him? No, I mean. I think you're taking a shot that they win. I mean, we're only leaving two teams out, so we're going to have at least two teams yep. in our lineup that only play uh, one game. Right. So, I mean, it's it's me saying if Tennessee wins, it's going to be because Derrick Henry does something good, and you know, if if I get two games out of him, that could yep. be a lot of points. Uh, and I also wonder if I wonder if fading him is overthinking it, unless you really have two running backs that you like. I- significantly yeah. more or if you well, that, really just don't think Tennessee has a chance to win this week that, that that's where I'm at out of the games this weekend that's when I'm most I'm second most confident behind uh, New Orleans beating Minnesota so that that's my reason for fading Derek Henry I do I do think you know he'll have a nice game on uh Saturday night but I'm fading him because again I want the two other teams that lose this weekend to be my kicker in defense not a running back well, why are you so confident in a Patriots team that's four <laughs> and four over its last eight games one, I don't think Tennessee is, you know, some juggernaut. I think they're the worst playoff team, actually. If I, Ooh, yeah. I don't, I don't at all, honestly. And they're, I think they're sixth in overall DVOA on Football Outsiders, and I know, like third in weighted. Overall yeah, I know. DVOA. Yeah, I know. Tennessee is actually higher than New England weighted DVOA. I don't know. I just, I don't see a Ryan Tannehill team going into New England <laughs> on Wild Card Weekend. I was trying beating to get Tom that Brady out of and, and beating, beating Brady and Belichick. I just, I, I just don't see it. That's a Dolphins fan that can't get his, <laughs> can't get his Homer goggles off. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, though, the Titans have not beat a lot of quality opponents down the stretch. I mean, yeah, the Texans in Week 17 that rested a bunch of starters. Uh They played a close one against them in Week 15. Got Um, smoked by New Orleans at home. Right. Uh They smoked Oakland, which isn't terribly surprising. Smokeland. Yeah, (laughs) Smokeland. So, yeah, they haven't been battle-tested, but I'll say say if you think think that game's... Close to a toss-up, then you definitely want to play Derrick Henry. Okay, yeah, I, that, that's what I agree with, and I think that it is a toss-up. The Patriots also haven't beaten anybody. Their yeah. two best wins this year are Buffalo twice. The only playoff team that they beat otherwise was Philly, who they snuck by in Philly. Yep. You know, you can only you can only beat who's in front of you, but they lost at home to the Chiefs. They got blown out by the Ravens. Who's the worst playoff team, then? I think Green Bay. No, I think Minnesota and then Green Bay. I think those are the two worst play. Actually, no, I'm forgetting (laughs) Philly. I think I would go Minnesota worst, Philly second worst, Green Bay third. Yeah, I'd go Tennessee worst and Minnesota second worst. That's that's Homer goggles. Tennessee has been pretty good lately. Wide receiver, I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be popular again for the same reason as I think Derrick Henry is going to be popular. I don't think people are going away from DeAndre Hopkins to get Deshaun Watson or anybody else from that yeah. team into their lineup for the most part. And I think that most people are going to lean Houston over Buffalo, so they yep. want to get some Texan. Yep, I would agree with that. But again, though, Hopkins is not going to be in my player yep. pool because I have the Bills winning. So I, Michael Thomas, for me, is just going to be the top play. I, he might be the most popular guy in the slate. You know, the only drawback there is that maybe Alvin Kamara picks up yeah. enough steam to, to lower Thomas's number. But we're talking about the guy that just set the single-season catch record, and he's on a team who could play four games in route to the Super Bowl. So he's hard for me to fade, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely going to be popular. I, I do think having Breeze and Kamara there you know, might make Thomas 60% rather than 90%, which helps. <laughs> I, I do think he is the best play on the Saints. Um, 
Thomas averaged 5.7 more FFPC points per game than any other wide receiver still playing. He averaged more raw FFPC points than Drew Brees even. You know, there's not many teams in the playoffs. I tweeted this out. There's, I think there's five teams in the playoffs that the quarterback wasn't the highest scoring player on that team in fantasy points. And the Saints are one of them with Thomas. And again, he gets that just incredible spot um, this weekend at home for a bad Viking secondary. Yeah, for me, Michael Thomas, I think, is the one player I, I don't think I'm going to be able to finalize my roster without including him. I, I, in my initial build, I wanted to go with Drew Brees in that spot to differentiate yeah. a quarterback, and you know, four games of Drew Brees could be magic, but they're also going to probably be four huge Michael Thomas games for him, and there are other quarterbacks, and there are more spots to fill with these skill position players. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't going Thomas, it'd be Kamara, and I think the argument there is just the wide receiver pool is deeper than running back, so Kamara might have more value in that way, but yeah, I, I think I'm with you, Matt. It's, it's, it's going to be Michael Thomas for me. Devontae Adams, I think, is in the same vein, I think, is going to be highly owned. I'm curious to see, and I, you know, obviously we won't know until after everything started. I'm, I'll be curious to see how popular he is versus Aaron Jones and how many others are playing Aaron Jones. For me, Devontae Adams is a pretty, pretty easy choice here because he's the one Packer I know is going to get the ball no matter how the game goes, and I'm not scared of a matchup that faces him in round two. Yeah, he's probably a fade for me just because I don't think they advance past New Orleans, but certainly he has the ability to you know post two games worth of numbers in just one. Then you sort of have to just fade that one touchdown in the divisional round that you know that might put him over the top of a you know ten catch, hundred twenty yard day. Sort of the, one of the other guys, and we can jump back to Adams, but real quick, I'll throw out my sort of secondary receiver option, uh, Tyree Kill. I, I think Travis Kelsey will probably be the most popular chief. And I'm anticipating a matchup with New England in round two. But one of the things I thought was interesting in the Chiefs-Patriots first matchup is that Stephon Gilmore did not shadow Tyreek Hill. And Hill caught six of eight targets against them. So I think a lot of their game plan was to keep Hill in front of them and not let Tyreek beat them. But if I think the Chiefs play at least two games and I can get a a lower own Hill than maybe an Adams or another similar upper tier wide receiver... I'll probably go that route. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in Tyreek Hill. Um, so Travis Kelsey averaged three point more FFPC points per game than Tyreek Hill this season. You know, that's again the tight ends are getting 1.5 PPR here, but Hill has more weekly upside. So over the past two seasons, Hill has topped 20 FFPC points in 39 percent of his games. Kelsey's topped 20 points in only 19 percent of his games. So again, if we're looking for that high weekly ceiling, I think Tyreek Hill has the edge there. I will give him higher ceiling than Travis Kelsey, but I think everybody in that Chiefs offense has ceiling game potential. And beyond mm-hmm. New England, I mean, Baltimore it has been the toughest pass defense in DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, over, I forget what their, exactly what span it was. It yeah. was the final six games or something like that. The best pass defense in the league by that measure. So... It's going to be a rough go for Tyreek Hill. Obviously, he has the speed to beat whatever the matchup is, but that's pushing me away from him and toward you know either Damian Williams or Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey, the, the likely ownership on him, has me strongly considering him as a fade to get you know one of those other, like I said, similarly high ceiling guys that are going to be at lower own rates into the lineup. I'm just thinking through what I what I expect the Chiefs' ownerships to be because there are you know. Definitely three guys in Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey that everyone's going to consider. Damon Williams, you know, is going to pick up five to ten percent. I think so. I don't think Kelsey will be more than fifty percent. Do you? No, probably not. He was under fifty percent last year. Yeah. So I, I don't want to overrate the ownership. And like yep. like we said earlier, we don't. You don't want to make a lineup of like eight contrarian picks because that's probably not going to work. Yeah, you don't need to do that. 
The, right, we're looking for two. And the nice thing is the flexibility here, where you know, especially if you're locking in Kittle, you can still use Kelsey as a flex, but you don't need to use another tight end. So you do have the flexibility to go with Tyreek or Kelsey or Damian Williams. Yep. And as we do have four spots to fill, two wide receiver and two flex that could be whatever position. I want to throw out DK Metcalf as a mm-hmm. strong consideration here. High upside to his round one matchup with Philly. If they win and the Saints win, he faces the 49ers in round two. And of course, we're you know we're expecting the Saints to win. DK Metcalf's two highest target totals of the season came in their two games against the Niners. 10 targets, 12 targets. He caught six for 70 in the first. He caught six for 81 and a touchdown in the second. And if I'm playing Metcalf, all I'm really passing up is Russell Wilson. Tyler, you might mention Tyler Lockett, and he's going to siphon some ownership, but he's got a tough individual matchup in Week 1, has not been great overall lately. And really, the only other Seahawk that's in play, unless you're going kicker or defense, yeah. is Jacob Hollister. I'm disappointed. I really thought I was going to be the only person out of all <laughs> 6,500 teams to have DK Metcalf, but I guess, I guess they're going to be. Yeah, but he, he's my guy. I think he's someone I'm going to use at wide receiver. I think it's going to be pretty low-owned, um, and I just like the upside. Um, like you said, Matt, the matchup against Philly, much better for Metcalf on the outside. The Eagles were bottom two in fantasy points allowed to both outside wide receiver spots. They allowed the fewest fantasy points to slot receivers, which is Tyler Lockett's spot. So I like Metcalf this weekend. Again, I think he has a chance for two or three games. Volume-wise, too, over the last eight games, Metcalf saw 55 targets. Tyler Lockett saw 56. So there's not even an edge there for Lockett. Yeah, I actually had Lockett down as a contrarian play just because he's been you know more bust than boom recently. He had that leg injury that hospitalized him, I believe, before the Week 11 bye. Interestingly, his first game coming off that injury was against the Eagles in Week 12. Had just two targets, caught one of them for 38 yards. I don't know if we can look too much into that, given the injury he was coming off of. But yeah, I just he'll probably be the second highest on Seahawk, maybe third behind Wilson and DK. So we know he has that big play potential. So I, I, I think there's merit there. I would bet that Lockett winds up the highest on so. Seahawk. Yeah, because I think more yeah. people are going to go to him than DK Metcalf just because... The overall numbers for the season, I don't have them in front of me, but I think Tyler Lockett still outscored DK Metcalf in PPR for the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, when you're setting that one lineup, you're going to feel more comfortable with Tyler Lockett than Metcalf. To me, really, the the tiebreaker is that opening matchup where you look at the Eagles secondary and you say, well, that's not scary. Tyler Lockett can beat them, and he certainly can. Mm -hmm. But, it I mean, they allowed the fewest points to slot receivers on the season. Whatever they're doing... Because it's not Avante Maddox locking yeah. people up. Whatever they're doing to make that happen has been working enough. Uh, and, you know, there's there's upside that has been displayed with DK Metcalf, especially a touchdown upside. Yeah, I agree. I, I, Lockett would be my guess for most popular Seahawk, but I also don't think he's going to be super popular where it's right. a guy you, you want to get away from because of ownership. Right, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. And just to put a little more context around the, the slot aspect of this, according to PFF, Lockett runs 70% of his snaps out of the slot. That, and that's easily his, his highest percentage of, of the three spots. So that's a good point. Avante yeah. Maddox has been a good slot cornerback. Yeah, DK Metcalf, 88% of his routes from the outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. On the contrarian front, I think, you know, Debo Samuel's there. If you want to go away from George Kittle, I'm, I'm scared personally to go away <laughs> from Kittle in this format, but, you know, that's one route that you can take. As you mentioned, last year's champ had Eric Ebron as their only tight end. He played two games, and that was it. I also want to throw out Adam Thielen. And it's not because I think the Vikings will win. You know, anything can can happen. I'm betting the Vikings will not win. But there are only going to be two teams that we are not using. So we're going to be using two teams that will not make it out of this weekend. Adam Thielen did not play in Week 17. He had zero catches on four targets in Week 16. 
He jumped back to full playing time in that game, though. He caught all three targets versus the Chargers the game before. So he seems like he's back to full health. We should get more like what what Adam Thielen usually is. Gets no Marshawn Lattimore in coverage this week. He gets either Eli Apple on a bad ankle or his replacement, Janoris Jenkins. And when Adam Thielen does go into the slot, which he hasn't been doing as much lately, but he still does do some, he gets a Saints defense that's allowed the third most fantasy points two slot receivers mm-hmm. on the season. I think at the very least, you're getting one game of the Vikings playing from behind, quite possibly playing from way behind. We could get like two games worth of receiving production yep. from Adam Thielen in one game. Yeah, I, I definitely won't be doing it because I do think the Vikings lose. and we, we just haven't seen it from Thielen in so long now. I know it's been because of the hamstring and maybe he's back to 100% now. I, the argument for him is he's going to be like 1% owned. Right. So. Yep. yep, total contrarian pick. Any guys that you're fading? We talked about Lockett. For me, it's Stephon Diggs I'm fading. If, if I go a Vikings yeah. receiver, it's Thielen over Diggs because of the individual. I want to throw out one more contrarian play. I think we mentioned at some point, but our boy John Brown. Um, I think if you're not going Singletary, John Brown makes a lot of sense against the Texans. Um, Houston was 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And he scored from distance on the Patriots, so we know he can yeah. beat whatever matchup yep. is in the round two. Yep. yep, nice indoor matchup for him, too, in, in the wildcard round. So, yep, I don't have any other contrarian plays, but in terms of the guy I would fade, I would sort of go right to the top with DeAndre Hopkins just going along my yeah. same story of the Bills being the Texans opening weekend. And, yeah, hoping that comes to fruition. And even if it doesn't, that Hopkins doesn't have that giant game that he's yeah. been known to have. Yeah, Hopkins was already on my list here. And if you guys, I think, are right saying you think he's going to be super popular, I think that makes him an even better fade, obviously. I think there's reason to fade Devonta Adams, too. You know, the, the Saints were middling, middling against wide receivers this year, but Adams is going to see Marshawn Lattimore. And not saying Adams can't win his fair share of the matchup, but he, he might not have a big game. And, again, if we expect Green Bay to be one and done, I think it would make sense to not use Devonta Adams. Yeah, I'll probably use Adams because I think he's a good bet for ten, at least 10 to 12 targets in whatever yep. game. And if they yeah. do fall behind, you know, like I said with Thielen, if they do fall behind the Saints and only get one game, we're probably going to get a lot of Devontae Adams targets in that one game while they're trying to play catch-up. DeAndre Hopkins is more of a fade for me because even if they win this week, he would go from a negative matchup with Buffalo to a negative matchup with either the Chiefs or Baltimore. And, mm-hmm. you know... Again, I'm not saying DeAndre Hopkins can't beat a negative matchup, but we're splitting hairs here. That's the point of this game. Yep. Yep. At tight end, top plays, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey that we've talked about, the position's top two in fantasy points per game this year. Yeah, and to me, Kittle's the top play because, again, the opportunity cost of not using him is very low. There's not another niner I really want to get in my lineup. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that, that's I mean, that's the contrarian play. You, yeah, we didn't, you, you didn't bring him up. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't do Mostert. Um, I, I like Kittle here. 18.9 FFPC points per game this season. Trailed only Travis Kelsey among tight ends, and it was, it was pretty close between them. And that would have ranked third among wide receivers. Um, and Kittle is another one of those guys, you know, another one of the five non-quarterbacks who led his team in fantasy points. Kittle scored more FFPC points than any other 49er. Yeah, I'm on board with Kittle. The nice thing is you can play Kelsey and Kittle mm-hmm. and still have a flex spot to play with. So I, that's where I'm leaning right now in my my one build. Yeah, Kittle's probably going to be 70-plus percent owned, but I, he's the one I don't I don't care about. I'm not yeah. worrying about the ownership rate because maybe Raheem Mostert works out. I'm not going to be the one who has Raheem Mostert and yep. touting at the end. I'm going to have George Kittle <laughs> right. in there. Yep. Right, and just enjoy the fact that you're ahead of 30% of the field by rostering the likely top tight end or the close second tight end. Or you'll have a lot of company crying when George Kittle breaks his ankle in the first game and all of your teams are sunk. Otherwise, 
Mark Andrews over Lamar Jackson is a serious consideration for me here. Tight end five in total points. I've been telling Kevin since the summer that Mark <laughs> Andrews is a real deal and this was going to be his true breakout year. Yeah. Kevin finally listened to me after we got yeah. a full season of it. That's some, that's some serious sarcasm right there, just, <laughs> just to throw that out. Yeah, I mean, tight, tight end five in total points and points per game. The only thing working against him is Lamar Jackson, and that's going to keep the own rate way down from where it should be. Mark Andrews barely practiced in Week 17, listed with an ankle issue, but Week 16, he saw his most playing time since Week 5, so I don't believe that an injury is a factor here. I'll let you know next week who I decided (laughs) to play between the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, with Andrews throughout the year, you kept waiting for that touchdown right to fall and fall, but he's just been such a prominent part of their red zone offense, and... He's just delivered on just being the draft pick that they, they thought they'd get. So, yeah, I mean, it certainly makes sense as a, as a lower-owned contrarian play. And if you buy the Sistine ceiling on Lamar Jackson, you have to buy the yeah. elevated mm-hmm. ceiling yeah. on Mark Andrews as well. Yeah, I think if you're not using Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews is the raven you want to go to. I like Dallas Goddard as a contrarian play, and this is assuming Zach Ertz is not going to play, at least in this first game um, I, I think it's trending that direction I mean as of Wednesday he still wasn't cleared for contact so if Ertz is out Goddard is going to be a strong volume bet and Seattle has struggled against tight ends all season I, I'd, I'd say if you're using Goddard you are going to be building a lineup where you think Philly is going to win this this first game at least because I don't think Goddard would make sense if you think it's just going to be one game yeah I mean he I, he to me is an okay hedge because I, I can't say for sure that I think Seattle's definitely going to win this game on the road, maybe I would feel better if it were in Seattle. I don't think that the Eagles are very good, though. I want to think that they have a good chance to beat Seattle, and I certainly think it's possible they played close before, but their recent success has been all against the NFC East. I'm not sure that this... I, I wouldn't be shocked if this ends up being a double-digit victory for Seattle. Me neither. So, yeah, I agree with that With that caveat on Dallas Goddard. I wonder how many people are going to have the guts to play Jared Cook. And that's one of those that might be more, I don't know. Too cute. Yeah, right. Stupid than gutsy. Because lots of touchdowns lately, but the targets have not been there. 12 total targets over the final four games. If George Kittle and Travis Kelsey weren't in the playoffs, it it would make more sense to use Cook to fill that tight end spot. But, I mean, you're basically playing Cook at a flex spot, and I just don't think that makes sense to play him at a flex over, you know, Thomas or Kamara. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think if the Saints do play four games, then you know Kamara, Thomas, and Breeze are all going to blow by Cook's total. Yeah, I think you can consider Jacob Hollister, but again, you're playing him in a flex with mm-hmm. over other guys from other positions that have much higher ceilings. Yep. Yeah, and the Eagles are a pretty tough matchup in round one here for Hollister. Mm-hmm. Any big names to fade? I think Zach Ertz is kind of obvious at this point. Yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, I wouldn't touch Ertz again. I don't expect him to play in this first game, and who knows beyond that. I think the big name that has the best argument to fade is Travis Kelsey, largely because of the other guys you're passing up, like mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill and Mahomes and even Damon Williams. Kelsey also is going to have tough matchups here. It's likely going to be the Patriots and Ravens. They finished fourth and second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. In those two flex spots that we've mentioned along the way, I the one thing I'll say is don't overrate the tight end value here. We've seen that not only in the playoff challenge, but you know FFPC drafts in general, whether we're moderating them or taking part or pros versus Joes. There are folks who get into the format and they're like, well, hell, I'm going to get two of these guys right away just to make sure I'm locking in one and a half PPR. Again, last year's champ had one tight end. It was a two-game guy who didn't have a big game at all. So it's possible to win without that. We had one team among the top 24 last year that had two tight ends. There were five among the top 76 that had two tight ends. So it's different with Kittle and Kelsey there and Mark Andrews and other guys we've named. 
but it's not necessary. That's funny. My note is don't be afraid to use two or even three tight ends, <laughs> which, which you shouldn't. I mean, I, I agree. Right. You, you got to compare guys. Like, for example, deciding between Kelsey and Hill, yeah, I said Hill has the higher ceiling, but Kelsey scored more raw FFPC points than Tyreek Hill this season, so there, it definitely makes sense to use Kelsey over Hill in a flex spot. I think two tight ends will be the sweet spot for me, but there's there's plenty of time for me to tinker and to, to get off of that. So. Yeah, and I'm definitely not saying don't play two tight ends. Mm-hmm. I'm saying when you go to set your lineup, don't think, well, I have to start with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey here, and if right. I don't play Travis Kelsey, then I have to play Mark Andrews or Dallas Goddard or yes. whatever. You don't have to have two tight ends. Kicker and defense, these are probably the teams that I'm looking at for defense. And I have the Seahawks down, but it's almost definitely going to be DK Metcalf for me from that team. Otherwise, Eagles, Texans, Patriots, Bills seem like the top defense candidates for me. Yeah, I'll throw Houston out there too, even though I like the Bills to advance. I just think there's a good turnover opportunity there against Josh Allen. No, yeah, and I again, I think using Houston's D is a good idea if you think they're going to lose. Because again, I think you right. want... The other two teams most likely to lose this weekend to be your kicker and defense. So like I have the right. Eagles as an option. Mm-hmm. Bills and Texans for me I have down there because I don't know what way that game's going to go. But I'm probably going to have one of my kicker and defense from there. And then again, I think the Packers are an option probably for a kicker because I think their defense against the Saints would be a bad bet. But maybe you use Mason Crosby if you think Green Bay is going to be one and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I might just go... Bills and Texans in those two spots because I well actually I'm probably yeah. gonna end up with Devin Singletary in my lineup. Right. So the Texans, the Texans might be my favorite for that defense spot right now because if they do win that game, I think that there will be you know sacks and turnovers. Yeah, if they don't, they can still deliver on that one game yeah. sample. I don't think using a kicker and deep in the same game is optimal though, because then one of those things is going to advance and you're going to lose a position player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's why I took the Bills out, because I want to run yeah. back from there. Yeah. It'll, it'll certainly come down to teams that I'm not dying to get yeah. somebody from right. a different position. So a couple more notes I have. One, I think, I do think the Patriots' D is an option, even if you think they're going to win, just because how good they were all season. And, uh-huh. you know, if, if they lose, it's 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 fine. The Eagles' D has the best matchup in the playoffs. Seattle was the worst team in adjusted fantasy points allowed to defenses this season, so maybe you consider the Eagles' D, especially if you think they're going to lose. Uh-huh. And then a kicker, uh, Jason Myers of the Seahawks, has the best matchup among among uh, playoff kickers. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like the call on Philly's defense. I think they sacked Russell Wilson five times in their first meeting, yep. and Seattle's offensive line still is an issue. So there you go. If you don't like DK Metcalf, then you can play both sides of that game and you kicker in defense spots, and somebody will get you a second game. <laughs> yeah. That's going to do it for this playoff edition of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can find full playoff rankings for offense and IDPs, as well as rankings for the wildcard round. You can also read more from Jared on how to tackle the FFPC playoff challenge. Visit MyFFPC.com to register your team for a shot at $500,000 or whatever second place pays after I finish in the top spot. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. Kevin is at KenGlishDS. I am at ShoutDS, that's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Kevin English, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shouts saying thanks so much for swimming with us.